Yo, welcome to the Smith house today. We are... <laughs> that was too weird. <laughs> welcome to the Smith house. I'm Stefan. And this is my wife, Riley. And we have a three-year-old um, daughter named Annie um, who sparkles and dances everywhere, if you've met her. And, uh, and we're really happy to be here with you um, this morning. And we wish we could be physically with you, but um, we're glad that we can at least be together as a, a family digitally. So today we're concluding our series on God's true story and returning to God's st true story. And um, we have asked quite a few people to share just their stories about how, how God's true story has replaced false stories in their lives and, and how this actually practically works out in our life. And, um, and the first story up is going to be one of a mom. So let's start with that. Um. Okay, hi, one of family. Um, so I think growing up, a lot of us have that question, who are we and where do we fit into this world? And that definitely for me was a big question as I grew up. So many of my friends, I like found that answer in, um, in popularity or sports or unique talents or music or whatever. I found uh, my identity, if you want to call it like that, um, in academics. So I always believed I was clever and that basically became the identity I built my life on. And um, that informed a lot of my decisions as well, looking back. Um, so when I had to choose what to go study, rather than asking God what would be a good idea, <laughs> or what are my talents, or what would I really love to do, like I thought was like what would be difficult enough and what would be a challenge. So I chose engineering and then I really loved my studies. And the best part was when you were at a resmix and you met new people and they inevitably asked those three questions, who you are, where you're from, what do you do? And I said, I studied engineering. You would get this look that I loved, like, wow, you must be clever. They, in, even if they didn't say it, they showed it. And that became my affirmation. And I loved it. And then when I started working, uh, God has kind of a good sense of humor. I was placed in Cape Town. I got a job at a firm in Cape Town. And I was placed in the municipal department. And we are responsible for wastewater treatment works and transfer stations and landfill sites and stormwater and all those things. And the job was fine, but it wasn't something I really loved. And site visits were really smelly. Um, but when we go to a braai and people ask what you do, I could still say I was an engineer and I would still get the look. And that was my, <laughs> that was my affirmation. And then we got pregnant when we were about five years into marriage. And together we decided like the best thing for our family would be if I resigned and were with the kids for the first few years of their life. I loved being a mom. Like I was really grateful that I had that opportunity, that I had that privilege to be at home with them. And I loved, I really loved it. But then Alderons were about six months old. I started taking to all these various baby classes that you go to, like the swimming and the pink foot breath and the, all the different classes and then you meet new people again and inevitably they would ask those three questions 
and I would say I was a mom. And <laughs> the response was quite different. It was not the same at all anymore. It was like, oh, shame, or poor you, or a bit of a weird jealousy type of response, not affirming in any way. <laughs> um, and suddenly I didn't know who I was anymore. So where do I fit in now? Like, was I just a mom now? Um, so rather than asking God, <laughs> I put my anchor of identity into this new thing, mothering. Aldrian's uh, achievements became my achievements. And luckily, by the time he was about two, I had an epiphany that this was not a good thing. Like It was more a series of events that really showed me that putting that load onto an innocent young child is really unfair and wrong in so many ways. Our kids are not our achievements or our projects or our affirmation. <laughs> Can't be anyway. <laughs> At the same time, uh, our marriage wasn't in a good place. Johan was really busy with studies and work and a lot of other things. And our finances wasn't in a good place. We've just built our house and there were so many other things turmoil in our life at, the, at that stage that there wasn't really anything solid I could anchor my identity into and that was the grace of God because then I realized the only solid thing that there is is God and um, finally I got onto my knees and asked so father who am I <laughs> and realized he's always been there to answer that question and he was always there waiting for me to ask him who I was and what his plans were for me and um, yeah that really started a process and um, yeah so I think now I can say like I really know that people can't affirm me and things can't affirm me and that is God's goodness because the only solid thing really is him and yeah yeah I, I am at a place now where I know that he only can answer those questions okay Sine's story really spoke to identity and her struggle with with where she found and where she placed her identity and um, the part that she shared about um, finding her identity in her kids I feel like a lot of mothers um, relate to I know that I can relate to that and and so we hope on this Mother's Day that um, That you can find the freedom that that Sune has found from the true story that that God loves you and Apart from anything that you do and you don't have to search for your identity in other things or or your kids So I've been a Christian uh, since the age of about five and throughout my Christian life the thing, the thing that I've realized most of us are struggling with, and Christians and non-Christians, is identity. Mm -hmm. And there's a passage in the Bible that talks about a father knowing that to give bread to his child instead of a snake. And I realized even with my daughter that how much I love her and how I care it, care for her and it just makes me know that how much more God loves us regardless of who we are, regardless if we frustrate Him 
like my daughter sometimes do, <laughs> or if we do well, He loves us regardless. And our identity is truly settled, should be truly settled in that, but we don't always believe that to be true. And I think a lot of the stories that we'll hear now sort of is, is related to that in some way or another. So let's listen to that and see if we have similar struggles um, in terms of identity and believing that God loves us. Okay, so the next testimony that we're going to be hearing uh, is from Karen Rawson and who has started this week um, as the new admin um, person for One Hope. And this is an answer to prayer and we're thankful that God has, has filled this role and we're excited to be welcoming Karen and her husband Warren to One Hope. Hello One Hope. Um, as you heard, my name is Karen. You may know my daughter Shana. She's been a part of your family for five years now. Uh, we have been uh, part of New Gen Somerset West for 23 years and now we are privileged to be a part of your family. So look forward to getting to know you. Uh, so I'm going to just share a few uh, catalysts of my faith and a bit of my testimony. Um, I didn't grow up in a family of faith. I, um, my, my parents didn't take us to church. We weren't grounded in anything. But I had a, a great, secure childhood in a, in a very tight-knit neighborhood, lots of friends. Um, I was loved, I was uh, protected, I was provided for, and yeah, I just had a beautiful childhood. Then at the age of 12, 13, I went to a meeting at Rhema. Um, this is in Johannesburg, I grew up in Johannesburg. Uh, Rhema with my neighbors, um, a friend in the neighborhood and her mom. Her mom had just come to faith and we went off to a Rama meeting. Um, I remember the altar call and I remember walking down to the front and giving my life to Jesus. And I remember running in the front door, announcing to my parents that I'd been saved. And my dad was like, he thought I'd had a near drowning experience. So he was like, where did you nearly drown? And I'm like, no, I've been saved by Jesus. So they were like, oh, okay. Um, and so, yeah, it was a weird time, but there was no discipleship or follow-up or support, obviously, after that. And this particular friend was um, pretty rebellious, and I'll probably call her an anti-faith catalyst because she influenced me a lot. And, um, yeah, through my teenage years, uh, starting with her, I really made bad choices, pretty much lost, insecure, um, trying to find my worth in, in what people wanted from me or people thought of me. I just wanted acceptance. Also, from about the age of 13, I developed an eating disorder, which tormented me for about 10 years of my life. And um, yeah, I think at the age of 18, I weighed 28 kilos. So I was in and out of therapy and treatments. And yeah, it was a hard season for me and for, uh, for my family as well. I think I used all the partying and drinking and everything to mask the pain that I, that I was going through. After school, I traveled around Europe, or I'd probably say partied around Europe, student party lifestyle. And um, anyway, that was for about a year. I came back to South Africa and I settled in Durban. In that time frame, when I had been overseas and also at high school, my parents had come to faith when I was about 15. And so they were always trying to reach out to me and you know, praying for me and giving me godly advice, but I, um, 
I remember like pretty much holding the phone like this and I go, oh, whatever. And um, anyway, at the age of 22 in Durban, I had a nervous breakdown and I had to move back home with my parents to recover. And this was a pivotal circumstance in my life. Another catalyst uh, of faith where um, I rededicated my life to Jesus um, at my parents' church. And that was where people, I got mentorship, I got counseling, I was loved, I was accepted. And most of all, I, I met Jesus properly for the first time. I found healing, I found peace, and I found freedom um, from a lot of things. Some t took, some were quick, some took a long time. Also in that time when I had come back, uh, my friend's mother, who we'd gone to Rama with when I was 12, she had become a pastor at Rama, And she gave me this book, which is Telling Yourself the Truth. And this is where I learned about identifying the lies that I'm believing in different situations and replacing it with God's truth. And so this is a very, very powerful tool that um, we can use to overcome so many things. You know, I knew of God, but I didn't have a personal relationship with Him. So I didn't know Him as a father and I couldn't really trust Him because I didn't know Him as a father through those years. Um, and, you know, the lies were that I needed to find my worth and my acceptance in people and what they thought of me. Um, I felt that I wasn't good enough and was always trying to, I think, especially because of the choices I made, I knew God was there, but I was ashamed. I was ashamed to turn to him because I had made all these wrong choices and done all these bad things. Um, and so I didn't think that he would want me, like a, like a, a father that's disappointed in their child. Um, and so that is a huge lie. Coming back to faith, I realized that he loves me unconditionally, no matter what I've done, no matter what my past is, um, that I'm chosen, that I'm loved. I cannot do anything um, to make him love me more or less. And um, yeah, that's been a journey to get to, to that point. And I think with the eating disorder, it was definitely a, um, an insecurity in myself and wanting to control and be perfect. And yet God doesn't expect that from us. All he wants for us is to believe in him and to trust him with our lives and uh, yeah, surrender control to him. So, yep. as I say, some of those lies still come dressed in other clothing um, to try and take me out. But I think the biggest thing is that we must be aware and alert of these lies and keep trusting the Holy Spirit to give us the truth, which uh, obliterates those lies. And so... That's what I try and do daily. So when I arrived in Stellenbosch, um, I saw it as a clean slate. No one knew me and I knew nobody. And so I saw it as an opportunity to reinvent myself. Um, but the issue was that I had come in with a strong desire for people to like and approve of me. Um, and this extra pressure on myself ended up making me a shy and anxious person who was always afraid of what people thought of him. And this ended up becoming a huge part of my identity and it was based around pleasing people. And so the false story that I ended up believing was that the way that I was perceived by people was more important than the way that God perceives me. And this issue has tried to persist over the years um, in many different forms depending on whose approval I'm trying to earn. But over the years as well, God has slowly been unraveling that. 
Um, the real truth is that God perceives me and you as valuable and precious enough to send his only son to suffer and die on a cross so that we can have a relationship with him for eternity. And by daily spending time with my Bible and reminding myself of the gospel and of that truth, this true story is sinking deeper and deeper and deeper every single day. Hey on Hope, my testimony about a true story versus a false story revolves around my marriage. Before getting married, um, the only marriage I was really exposed to growing up was not a good one. Um, for various reasons I grew up seeing a very broken marriage and culturally the the story I got told was that if you witness and you grow up in a bad marriage the chances of you going through a divorce yourself and you going through a, a dysfunctional horrible marriage is very high and of course the statistics around divorce um, is also quite scary so going into going into being married or going into marriage prep um, was quite scary for me a lot of fear came up and I was amazed at how God came through for me um, in terms of giving me the security that what um, determines the health and the success of our marriage isn't isn't my past but actually um, that he he's the one who really leads us and guides us and if both me and Bernard are following his Holy Spirit that wouldn't lead to divorce. So yeah, um, the testimony is that thanks be to God, um, we have an amazing um, marriage by God's grace. And the verse that encouraged me during that marriage prep stage um, was Psalm 103, verse 12, that says, As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. And the reason that stood out for me was God is a redeeming God. He restores, he renews, um, and that the past isn't going to define um, our future, that he's the one who's shepherding us. Um, yeah, so that's my quick testimony. God bless. A lie believed brought destruction, and then truth... Ah! <laughs> I'll get there. Oh, truth so my sister once told me about an incident that I don't remember. I have forgotten or I've blocked it out. I was about nine years old and she found me at school um, hiding behind a tree crying. My parents were divorced when I was quite young and my dad remarried and he married a woman who had children of her own. And so he had a new wife and he had new children and we all went to the same school which was interesting. And the one day, I obviously saw my dad come to fetch his new children, and I thought he was fetching me, and he didn't see me. And that's how my sister tells me the story. That's what actually happened. And I've realized now that that was the day that I started believing a false story about myself. I started to believe that I was insignificant, that I was unnecessary, that there was no space or place in this world for me. Always feeling like I'm in the way, like I must just get out the way. Other people were more important, what they wanted and what they needed was more valuable, and it always trumped 
me or what I needed or wanted because there was no space for me is how I understood it. Um, and then a couple of years ago, I did an identity course with Shirley and she encouraged us to choose a parable and to read it but work through it as if we actually there, we're actually part of the story. We had to try and imagine ourselves as being there. So I chose the lost sheep um, and it became really deeply personal for me because uh, in my um, uh, thinking that I'm actually there, that I'm the lost sheep and that he left the 99 to come and find me, was like, oh flip, I am actually valuable. I am necessary. If he could leave the 99 to come find me, that means I, I am important. And so the, the little dots started joining and I, the blocks started falling into place. Um, and at that time, I was reminded of the story my sister told me, which I still can't remember. Um, and I, I think God showed me there. That is when I started believing that false story. And now he was showing me the truth that I am valuable. I do. He wants me to have a space in this world. There is something for me to do even. It's, it's beyond just that. It's like there's a purpose for my life. Um, and it's, it's weird because I've been a Christian all my life. And you would never think or know that I had this problem in the background. Like no one would look at me and go, there's an issue. But that's, that's the thing. It's like us Christians are all broken. We've all got something. And we hide it very well. And we just carry on life. Um, and sometimes we don't even know it's there. And God had to reveal this to me in his timing, his perfect timing. So I've always been a Christian and I've always been involved with the church. And I started leaning towards serving, which fitted very well. And actually it fitted well because it was easy for me to do stuff for other people because I wasn't important. And so I came into the church. God actually allowed this for me to come serve in the church um, in a, from a broken place. I was doing it for all the wrong reasons. I was just, they're more important. I don't need this space. Let me do something for them. And he allowed that for a while until the whole identity course happened and things started to change. And he actually used the broken space then to start bringing healing to my, my brokenness. So now I can serve from a place of understanding, from understanding what he's done for me. Um, so it's a joyful serving. It's, he's, he's bringing healing. I won't say there's total healing yet, but he's bringing healing. And I can joyfully serve because I know who I am. I know I'm important. I know I'm valuable. And this sounds arrogant, but it's not. If we understand Paul the Apostle, we often think of him as arrogant, but he understood that, that that was the intent. God decided that he was important to be born. Why was he born? For a purpose, for a reason. And if we live in that, it's actually living in obedience. It's actually not arrogance. And so God has changed my heart, healed me, so that I can serve from a place like that, where it's joyful serving because there's a purpose for my life. The area that I now flourish in, in his kingdom, is a direct result of him bringing healing to a brokenness, to a false story. So it's actually almost like the false story was put on my life or happened to me 
to stop me from actually being useful in his kingdom or for what he purposed for me. And he's brought healing to that. So now I'm flourishing in that space. So a lie believed brought destruction to my life. And then a truth revealed and believed has brought restoration. Yeah, I love what Shar had to say just at the end there, is that it's so, it's so true, is that um, a lie believed brings destruction and the truth um, brings restoration. And that's really at the heart of false stories. False stories bring destruction and true stories bring restoration. And I feel like I love the, this grid of false stories and true stories because it, it has really helped me give an understanding to myself, but even more, when I look around in the world, it helps me understand where the destruction comes from and where restoration comes from. And what it does for me is it really emboldens me that I have truth, that God has given us truth, and that, that we have the answer to what is um, happening in the world. And so, um, it really um, stirs me on towards mission and, and being faithful with what God has given us in truth um, to bring restoration to where there's been destruction. So in our last two stories of Clive and Amanda, some of that truth will be highlighted. I've always been a Christian for as long as I can remember. I had a very real sense of, of Jesus and God being the truth. But somewhere over the course of, uh, of my life, uh, probably just through life experiences, I came to believe a, a subtle but rather powerful lie, and that really is that the only reason that Jesus came to the earth was to die on the cross and to save us from our sins, so that one day when we die, we get to go to heaven. And other than that, um, being a Christian doesn't really make too much of a difference. Of course, you try and live a good life, but it's really about the afterlife. It's not about the here and now. And of course, that's, that's such a a powerful uh, lie because it really inhibits you in terms of your walk with Jesus and changes the way you live. Praise God over the last 10 years through, through some teaching, I've come to, to know the true story about why Jesus came, the fuller true story about why Jesus came. And of course that is because he came to save that which is lost. And uh, what was lost was of course the image of God, God's life on the inside of us. In the Garden of Eden, when God said to Adam and Eve, don't eat from that tree or you're going to die, they didn't fall over dead, but God's life inside of them, their spiritual life died. And so that's why Jesus had to come to, to pay the price for our sins, yes, but so that we could be born again and walk as sons and daughters of God uh, with God's life inside of us. And uh, ever since I came to know this truth, um, my faith in, in Jesus and in God has just gone through the roof. My walk with Him is so much more intimate because I appreciate the realness of Him in our everyday lives and, and how much of a difference it makes to walk with Him in our everyday lives. That's why He said, um, this is the reason I've come, so that you may have eternal life. And then He went on to explain that eternal life is so that you may know me and the Father who sent me. And that word know there means to walk in relationship, intimate, loving relationship with. And uh, so it's just the most wonderfully beautiful, freeing truth. Uh, it makes such a difference in our lives when we come to, to understand that and know that we actually really do walk with, with the Holy Spirit, with Jesus every day, in His love, in His power and authority. And we see the works of the kingdom of darkness defeated on a daily basis. And so it's been such a blessing to me to know the true story about why Jesus came, the real reason why he came, that it wasn't just about the afterlife, that it was to restore us as sons and daughters. And hopefully that's a blessing to you as well. Thanks, guys. Hey, guys. Um, the 
testimony that I'd love to share with you today is my salvation testimony. For me, it's been one of the biggest examples of how God replaced lies with truth. Um, I came to faith in my first year of university at UCT. I had no intention of pursuing God at all. Um, I had an awareness of him, but I was really just excited to be at varsity and to just live life and and just kind of, yeah, explore. And um, it just so happened that when I moved into Rez, there were Christian girls living all around me. And I became so intrigued with the peace that I saw in their lives. It was almost tangible. Um, and And I was just so curious about it and really drawn to them. And after about eight or nine months of just being their friend and um, living first year together, I watched them go to church every Sunday, sometimes twice a day, twice on a Sunday. And um, it was strange to me. I, I couldn't quite figure out why they would do that and invest so much, especially when we had tests going on. And so I became so curious that they hadn't invited me to church. So I just decided I would invite myself to see what this was all about. And when I first walked into the building where they were meeting in a school hall, I just said, this is not a church. Um, because I was so used to a very traditional um, church context where um, you had to dress a certain way and the, the, the building looked a certain way. And so that was very different to me, but very intriguing. And it was very clear that there were young people there who really wanted to be there and who were meeting with God as they were. And after a few sermons, um, there was one particular sermon that was just really felt like it was completely um, written for me. And um, I responded to that altar call. And within a moment, God just revealed himself to me and my eyes truly opened. Um, and I really knew that I had been walking with my eyes closed up until that point. And I said to my friend, it's either this or people waiting to find this because I had realized that this is what life is about. This is what everybody is looking for. And it was clear as day to me. And my life completely turned around. My habits changed. My desires changed. Um, God just really did a huge turnaround in my life. And obviously, um, I had been singing and playing guitar since the age of eight. And um, I had no idea what to do with this desire and this ability. And in God, that for me has found um, its place in worship. Um, so, yeah, God just really revealed to me through this that he meets us where we are and as we are. And that has been one of the biggest um, transformational truths um, that I have, that God has shown me through my salvation. And I pray that this would encourage you today. Yeah, so it's so encouraging to hear a story like that from Amanda. And how she, God's truth was revealed to her and how she responded to it and how life-changing it was. And I think some of us, we have never experienced that. We have never realized that God loves us, that He wants a relationship with us. So I'm just encouraging anyone that feels like that or wants to experience that truth or know that you need that in your life please get in contact with anybody at one up as christians we 
may know these truths, but we sometimes struggle to believe it or make it part of our identity. So let's take the time now to discuss those struggles with those that is with us. And I think it would be great for us to um, end up end off praying for each other and praying with each other. And I think a lot of times that um, we we can know that we're believing a false story and we can know that we're we're kind of on these tracks of a false story, but we can feel powerless to get. Um, to get back to the true story and that's where our community comes in and so I would love it if um, we could take some time to just pray for each other and pray that um, f for the the different areas that we struggle with and the areas that we feel powerless to get um, back on um, to the tracks of the um, of God's true story and then the other thing that I think would be great for us to pray for is that we have truth. God has, has given us truth and has, has privileged us with the opportunity to share with others. And so why don't we spend some time praying that God would help us, that we, He would give us opportunities to share this truth, but that also that He would give us boldness and courage to believe that, that He is working and that He wants to use us to share the truth. So it's been great to meet with you guys today and hear these stories and these truths and I really hope it will impact you as it has impacted us and I really just want to ask that God would, would bless you in finding his truth in finding his love and finding that he ultimately wants a relationship with you so just from the Smith family we just want to say blessings for this week and we hope to see you soon.